Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is our personal big, beautiful, fat check, Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm very good. I caught, I like the reference. Funny mm-hmm. stuff. If you want to get in touch with us, you can at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey It's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. Email us podcast at romancircusblog.com. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash romancircuspod. And if you have a minute, visit us, visit our page at Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and what you think is just perfectly fine. And uh, yeah, hope all your quarantines are going well. Zach, today, usually I would be like, hey, happy tax day, Zach. But that got pushed back. Yeah, originally, we would 0% be recording today. I know. That's what I just thought about. Like, we basically normally would be taking like, the last half of March off and the first half of April off. Uh, but we're right. here. So I could just like do taxes and have panic attacks. But yeah, that's um, with the extended deadline. But then also just, you know, now that I do this full time, mm-hmm. I can schedule out and, you know, schedule in time to do podcasts, connect with the fans and the listeners mm-hmm. just to give back, you know? Yeah. Just to get, just, just to give back. Uh, we're given back today by talking to uh, the internet, one-time internet's own Father Rocket Dan, now just normal old Father Dan Fulvachna. Great, wonderful man, and he's back. Now a two-time guest. Now a two-time guest. Elite mm-hmm. status. Yes, I know. this is fun. Father Dan's just... just a great all-around person great fellas funny we, smart pious. you know how saturday night live has jackets like the five timers club Have you actually heard? i didn't know that so that's a thing they've had forever it's like uh, as soon as you've hosted five times uh you get a jacket i think the jacket is kind of new but they did the whole the whole five timers thing has kind of been going for a few years so uh more than a few years but should we what do we do that at what point do we do that what's our number uh i mean it sounds like i don't know i was gonna say three because three ring circus but then that would get kind of expensive mm-hmm. um i mean we could just keep we could just blatantly rip it off yeah and just do the five timer or as as soon as people start approaching their fifth time we'll be, we, we can hem and haw about it and be like, ah, yeah, that would be a great idea. And just yeah, like, him, but, him, never, ha, ha. but never fully commit to it. Like, like the Roman circus blog.com. <laughs> Our email domain. <laughs> exactly like that. Oh, exactly like that. Well, now that we've been. Or uh, all the stuff we're going to put in the show notes. I know you said that during the interview that's coming up. So you have to remind me to do that. I'll send you the link. Okay, thank you. Uh, that's a great, you know what? That's a great transition. Why don't we just go right into the next great interview in our long-running series of great interviews? 
Let's do it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Zach, once again, we just continue to bring out the A-plus all-star Hall-, Hall of Fame talent. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame talent. You know, we've, we were thinking, we're like, man, we have, we have guest after guest after, how do we keep, how do we keep this train going? Right. And luckily. Like, how does, how do you keep any train going? I don't even. What you do is you throw some coal, coal straight into the furnace. And we got a big old chunk of coal this week in a good way. Father. burning coal. (laughs) Dan Polvachna. Second time guest. Thank you for coming back, Father Dan. Hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> that's a really uh, good sign-on. Yeah, like that's, that. that's my Babu Frick impersonation. Yeah, Zach, Zach, do you know about that? No. Have you heard about this guy, this Babu Frick? This, Have you heard this about Bob? this fella? Did you not watch the latest Star Wars, Zach? Um, I did see a Star Wars. Uh, the latest one? Yeah. Because remember, I texted you guys because I like, I was getting, I, I had my computer was being fixed, so I saw it in the middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you saw the latest Star Wars, and you don't remember Babu Frick. It's hard to even think back to a lifetime where you could go to movie theaters. <laughs> okay, Father Dan, do you want to take him to task for that? You know, I think uh, everybody has different opinions on Babu Frick and what they can remember about him. Uh, certainly one of my highlights from the last Star War. But uh, he's just was a little uh, guy, a little fix-it guy, a little mechanic guy. And that was, uh, I think, the only line that he had, pretty much. That's his mm-hmm. big line. He said it mm-hmm. twice. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. A lot of actors in Hollywood would love to even get one line on Star Wars. So, I mean, he really, he doubled that. He cleared. That's true. He cleared the line. He went... One line twice. That's two lines. I don't have a single line in any Star Wars, so he's mm-hmm. beating me right out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, here's a here's a good one. You could uh, you could you could be a character in Star Wars, but it would have to be Rose. Would you be that character? <laughs> would I be Rose? Yeah, if that was your only option. Mm-hmm. I guess this would be one of those things where like no one, everyone else would think that you were you looked like like you would you know like in movies where somebody somebody else i don't know i would i just think that rose was such a terrible character and i felt bad for her because it wasn't this actor's fault um actress rather but she had to cancel her instagram because she was getting cyber bullied by all Mm -hmm. these people Mm -hmm. and i'm sure they turned it racist because i mean but like it wasn't her fault her character was just really poorly written i don't think they did themselves any favors by like re-switching directors again and not plotting out any of the story ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I liked the very last one. It was the second. Like, I really think you could have skipped the second one, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. probably what I would recommend. I'm going to take your word for it because you're the, you're the movie pro here. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt and I became film critics, actually, just oh. in time for the industry to shut down. Yeah. Yeah, they saw this threat was coming. They thought that they saw the threat of us looming large, and they decided to shut down. Uh, I told them do better, and Hollywood just turned itself off. They could. Zach, like, we, we can't. Zach, you use an interesting word there, critic. Uh, we have a Wendy's critic on the podcast with us right now. Who? Yes, big fan. Big fan, Father Dan. Wendy's is an essential service, right? Is are, 
Are you still able to obtain Wendy's? In my area, it is, yes. I can still go to a Wendy's, but it's so, drive through only or, you know, one of those food delivery services. So Wendy's is open, and I didn't discuss this before we hit record, but I have tried five different things off the Wendy's breakfast menu. Okay. What did and you have? I, and I... I don't want to I don't want to step on the toes of any possible podcast regarding Wendy's breakfast menu uh, that you might have coming up, but I would like to do a do a rating for you on some of those things. What were yeah, tell me what were some of the things that you had? I had the breakfast baconator. Okay. I had the the uh, chicken bacon croissant sandwich i forget what the name of that is do you remember uh the maple bacon chicken maple? croissant yes that one and i had the i had the honey the honey, honey butter, butter chicken biscuit chicken biscuit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i had to try just the classic sausage egg and cheese okay and then i had the uh they they called them Seasoned potatoes. They were just French fries, but they were called seasoned potatoes for the purpose yes. of being more breakfasty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, how many of those have you tried? Well, I got to say, you're a little bit ahead of me in this game because I okay. have been trying to trying to stay home and avoid the the fast food for a little bit here. Mm-hmm. But I think out of those that you've mentioned, I have had three of those things. So I did try the. Maple bacon chicken croissant. I did okay. try the honey butter chicken biscuit, okay. and I've had the, of course, the seasoned potatoes. Yes, yes. The not they're not French they're not French fries. Correct. This, yes. If you want those, you come back at ten thirty. Uh, okay. I I don't want to keep I don't want to make this too long, but you know, I love a good croissant breakfast sandwich. But for me, the Wendy's croissant a little too thick, a little much. It was more. It was more of a uh, thick with two C's. Yeah, yeah. It felt like a felt like a hamburger bun, mm-hmm. more so than a nice fluffy croissant. Croissant. Now, see, I would say you that that's made me one drop of its. My croissant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that the uh, thickness, so to speak, of mm-hmm. that croissant is mm-hmm. actually one of its virtues because okay. if you think about it, it's a fast food breakfast item, so you're really intended to eat it in your vehicle as you're going from one place to another. To me, it's not really the kind of thing that you want to like wait and take home and set out on a nice plate with whatever. Right. Uh, So I think the thickness of it means that it's less flaky. And so therefore you're, you know, you're not going to get as much of it all over yourself as you're driving as you would a normal croissant when you eat that in your car. That was a strategic move by the went by the Dave Thomas Foundation, Wendy's Corporation, etc. You know, that's to, how I would interpret it. Um, but um, no, that teach was their own. I get it. You know, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's been kind of a, you know, they released it a while ago. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you guys the inside scoop here. So we did try to record our first episode before all of this quarantine stuff mm-hmm. uh, when they released the breakfast menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't even remember what the date of that was. Was it in February or was it in March? Is uh, it February? Is it March? I mean, at this point. I yeah. don't know what month it is right now. Is it, was it December r- already? It was right around Ash Wednesday, I believe. I okay. believe it, yeah. So we we tried to record early, I think it was probably about a week after it came out. Mm-hmm. 
and we thought we were recording, but somehow one of our audios got messed up. So there was just static on one third mm. of the commentary mm. and we really couldn't salvage it. And then, you know, the quarantine stuff was happening and, um, you know, I just, my own, I'll say, you know, personally in my own life, my father had passed away early in March. Right. So was busy with trying to take care of stuff both before and after that. So we haven't found a way to get back on that train and, and fill it with coal to get it steaming. Mm-hmm. It's a callback there just Thank for you. your <laughs> listeners. I'm kind of a podcast pro. Yes. Yeah, Jeremy yeah. McClellan would be so proud of that callback. <laughs> yeah. So we did record and, and we, we had, uh, you know, scoring and reviews and everything, which I'm not going to reveal here just in case we do try and get back into the swing of things. But sure. uh, I w- I'll just say it was it was high praise for the maple bacon chicken croissant. OK, good, but good. I would say especially for the seasoned potatoes. That was at rave reviews from all three of us. Oh, yeah. No, those were those were very good. Those were great. Big and you mentioned that they're basically like French fries. Our opinion is that they should just become the standard Wendy's French fries. That because if you compare those regular Wendy's French fries to the seasoned potatoes, I don't. I don't. Why would I want the normal French fries? Just yeah, give no. me the seasoned potatoes. I, I actually, I think that's a very, very good opinion. Uh, I love me a honey butter chicken biscuit. Mm-hmm. I love them in all forms. They come regardless of who makes it. I find it's very difficult to screw that up. Uh, it was it was very good in my opinion. I may have to like make a Wendy's run now. This is making me. Um, be yesterday, safe. yesterday be before ten thirty. Be safe. Yeah. Well, my mom's been sewing masks, so I can just put a mask on. Yeah. No mm. one cared who I was before I put the mask. On. Yeah. No one. No um, one cared who you were before you wore the mask. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I went to, I went to, to uh, an establishment called Chickens Filet, and mm-hmm. they do uh, curbside. And so you, I pulled in, didn't get out of the car or have to go through the drive-thru. And then this guy, he brings it out. He's got a mask and gloves on, got his tray. And then he just kind of like leans it forward. And then you can get your stuff off. There's no contact with each other. There's no, I mean, there's no way. You know, guy's practically in PPE. And like everyone's been joking that, you know, if we put Chick-fil-A in charge of this, it would be... uh you know, done in a minute. Mm-hmm. And all of your, corona- and I think that they're, uh, I think that they're totally right when they say that. And all of your coronavirus nose brain swabs would come with a, my pleasure. <laughs> That's true. They, they yeah. would, Oh man. Did you see the, the, te- like, have you been tested father? I have not because I have not really come in contact with anybody who's known to, have it and my own health has been fine i don't have a cough i don't have a fever mm-hmm. my sense of smell and everything still works so i've pretty well been um you know pretty well i don't know quarantined or isolated in any case for probably about a month yeah this is the 15th so about a month i would say that's good because nice. there there's a i personally have i we had a guest our, our guest last week Actually, Kristen Soltis Anderson, her husband's uncle is a priest in Chicago, and he got the corona. And I know there's been a few instances of priests getting it in Chicago, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that you were able to. Who is her? To, who is her cousin's uncle or uncle's cousin? Uh, no, her, her husband's uncle. It's, who is uh, that? David Mastrangelo. Oh, did you tell me about 
Yeah, yeah. This, I think okay, I you texted yeah. me. Yeah, he's with the Jesuits, I think, and mm-hmm. Cristo Ray. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know that I've ever met him, but another guy on the, kind of in the south part of our diocese, uh, he had been diagnosed with it. He was in the hospital. I think he still is. I haven't heard an update for about a week or so, maybe a little bit more. Are the a lot last, of Jesuits getting it? Uh, I don't know. This was not a Jesuit. This was a diocesan oh, okay. priest, a guy I knew from seminary, wonderful guy. Um, and I don't know who he had picked it up from, but he's the pastor of a parish, Christ our Savior in South Holland. And he was in the hospital. He was, I think I was told he was in like a medically induced coma for a bit. Oh, wow. But he was pulling out of it and his uh, lung function is, had been getting better. That's the last I heard. That's probably about 10 days ago. So that's the last update I have on him. But praise be to God that he's doing better, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So your um, your old Twitter handle, mm-hmm. I, I always thought it was like, so is it, it's not Father Rocket. Yes. Yeah. No, it was? Yeah. Yeah, Father Rocket, Dan. Yeah. Okay. Kind so of like the Elton John like song, Rocket No, that Man. was I thought it was Frocket, and I was like, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. guy's got front pockets. Yeah. Um, That's exactly. true. I do have those. <laughs> I have four front pockets right now. Wait, do you? Yeah, two in my pants and two in my shirt. Oh, nice. Oh, oh. you wearing clerics? Yes. So you're in all black? Yep. All nice. black everything. Which is, I guess, some people think that might be weird because, like, I don't have to be out in public, so to speak. And mm-hmm. for our daily mass, it's not really like you can see the bases of our legs or anything. So mm-hmm. I suppose, like, but I, I just got used to it when I was in seminary, you wearing know, clerics all day, every day, and I haven't stopped that since. So. Also, Father Dan, I don't know if, I, I also have been known to wear the same thing I wear in public indoors when no one else is looking as well. So I don't think it's necessarily weird that you would wear your clerics indoors because uh, you wear clothing indoors. So why yeah. not your clerics? I know there's all kinds of uh, ways to sort of get around this. Like some guys will wear black pants and then some sort of other shirt. And then if they have to go do priestly things, they have like a little fake uh front thing that they can pop under a suit coat and mm-hmm. they do that you know but i don't judge to everybody whatever everybody wants to wear as long as they're comfortable and trying to serve the lord and doing that as best as they can you know it works doing like a who wore it better for the clergy it's me one of those moments okay let's uh let's i have a few questions since you brought up the idea of uh what did you say loving and serving the lord as best as they can is yes. that your quote? That's interesting. I made that up. Nobody else has you ever said that, that before me. Yeah, no one has else said that. Please uh, quickly jump on the trademark machine. Uh, I think that's a good one. I have some... Okay, so I have some questions. A listener... A listener who... they This is a family that lives in Northbrook. I told them that you're coming on. <laughs> okay. It's. It could be anybody. Could be anybody. Their last There's no way to know. Their last names are the Petersons. It could, Perfect. It could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, Zach, quick Father Dan story for you. Uh, sure. We, so I, I. Is it something, is it, a, he's listening, so hopefully it's like appropriate. Yeah, no, he, don't worry. We can, uh, we'll fix it in post. We'll okay. make it sound like he isn't listening. No, so he, uh, he is, where he is a priest, where he is uh where he does his priestly duties is a school where a good good 
fam uh, family who are all good friends of mine, the Petersons, they, they go to this school. And the last, last year at one point, the Petersons were out here in Phoenix visiting. And it was a Sunday night. Father Dan, I don't know if you remember this, but I got a kick out of it. It was a Sunday night, and it was about 15 minutes before Mass started in Chicago. And two of the sons are altar servers. Yes. And Father Dan texted me and said, hey, if you're with the Peterson boys, let them know they're on schedule for Mass, and it starts in 15 minutes. <laughs> and, they, and they were sitting next to me in Phoenix, uh, and they were going to be very late for their altar serving gig that night. Yeah, I don't know if they used the app and found any subs that evening. I can't remember that mm -hmm. or not, but I do remember sending that text. Yeah, no, it was great. I got a great kick out of it. Uh, so we have some questions. Again, could be anybody. Could they, be anybody. They they had some questions, and it's all very relevant, and I think okay. people people want to know. Uh, so it was mentioned that they like they enjoy watching the mass online mm -hmm. uh, at this time and the question is as far as that like it you know it it it's obviously for what we're having to deal with it's it's nice to have the mass and mass has always been online or on tv before but especially in this time it's nice to have it so we can still you know see see what we're missing out on mm -hmm. and uh but it was brought up that this how do we capitalize or what do you think to take advantage of this, the online audience? Because there could be uh, like Chris Pratt, for example, this is a big fish type thing, but he, he on his Instagram put that he was watching mass at St. Monica's. Now mm -hmm. I don't think Chris Pratt is Catholic, but he is watching it. And certainly other people who might have fallen away. Isn't he the one that did that speech and he told people that God's real. And then everyone was like, Oh man, got him yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah we got okay. him but the point is that uh, and some people that have fallen away might be watching again and might like connect again through this now how do you think we can take advantage of this on this online attendance knowing fully well that mass will never the obligation to go will never be fulfilled online yeah. uh, but is there a way do you think there's hope to get these people back or to like capitalize on this in any way yeah, we were just talking about that a little bit at a staff meeting, a virtual staff meeting we were having earlier today. And that's a really good question and one that I'm not fully sure that I have an answer to. Mm -hmm. But if I'm just going to sort of go off the top of my head, I think it's definitely a time to take that into account more seriously, perhaps, when a priest is preparing his homilies, that there may be people... Uh, because, again, with live streaming, like, it might be live, people might find it somewhere else because, you know, since everybody's using social media more, maybe somebody will send them a link to, you know, a, a mass and say, oh, listen to the homily at this one or something like that. But to sort of try and take that into account, and in some ways I think this, now that we're into the Easter season here, perhaps this is an especially good time for that because what we want to most get across to people is the hope that comes to us in Jesus Christ that through his resurrection mm. that we can be filled with the glory and the love of God and that we can be 
um, caught up in that mission to share that with others. So what does hope in particular look like, and why do we have that as Christians? Why should we have that as Christians? And why does that perhaps make us different from others? How is it that we can deal with suffering in a way that's different from people who don't have a concept of God and people who don't believe in Christ, who is the God who uh, died and rose again for us and has been through everything? So maybe they think there's something in there that can, in a particular way, speak to people as they have to be um, socially isolated and perhaps they know people and maybe it's their friends or maybe it's somehow they're, they've been impacted because somebody they know has died from this virus. And how do you explain that? How does that make any sense? Uh, how do you go through the suffering of, you know, maybe losing a job or not being able to work or these kinds of things? How do you help give that meaning um, certainly I would say the only way to, to find meaning in that is by uniting it to the suffering of Christ, right? So I think homily preparation to maybe try and, and more uh, intentionally touch those points that and those questions that people might be asking, especially if they have been away from church or really don't have faith at all. Um, you know, I think the other part of it, though, maybe is a little bit more difficult because the other thing you know we're going to hear at this Sunday the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles will be about how they lived together and they shared everything in community and together they were you know glorifying and praising God every day so community I think is a really big aspect uh, how do you build that with somebody who is sort of lurking and watching online and making them feel like they can have a place in this community I don't really know an answer to that. I've noticed on our live streams, it's particularly the folks who are the same kind of crowd who actually watch it live, for example, for our 7.30 a.m. daily mass uh, and for the Sunday mass too, which is at 10 o'clock. Subtle plug here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they, like, when they come in, you know, even though the mass is, is going on already, they say good morning to one another. Mm-hmm. And when it's time for the sign of peace, they just simply type peace into the chat and trying to share that with one another. And they'll say, you know, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity to somehow be connected to Mass, or thank you for your homily. So I think if, if, if I don't know what that might look like to somebody who's uh, not used to that experience, but if it's on a platform where there can be these kinds of comments, that they see people who are regularly interacting, and maybe that can help build a sense of community, I don't know. Um, the other thing that we've tried to do, well, I'll pause there and, and I'll just see what you guys think. Cause I don't want to talk the whole time. Well, I think one thing, you know, yeah, keep in mind, like lots of people are watching. And so, um, you know, don't use any ethnic slurs. Don't, which um, takes away like half my preaching, exactly. which is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, another I mean, thing you, about the Italian, you don't want to get canceled. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no body shaming. Um, no, so I I do think that like this is going to have a profound impact on the church, at least institutionally, especially in America. I because I I hope that I'm wrong in this prediction that with mass being no longer a habit for any lay people right now, mass attendance is going to shift somewhat. And it it could go a couple ways. It could be that people are so excited that it's back that they just jump right back into it and if maybe they relax before now they they're like all right i'm gonna go every sunday 
or you know people they you know they've kind of got new things that they're going to do um but i also do think though that um understanding mass in the liturgy is you know an event that takes place like a sacrifice that's offered in a a prayer that happens um the fact that it's still happening every day and we're not there physically i think is a teaching moment um for people who've maybe started to see the mass as like a like a gathering time or like a community meal type thing um i think that's like to me there's a lesson there uh, the circumstances aren't great but it's uh i think that there's a, a lesson there does that sound somewhat right yeah, I think so. Um, we've we've wondered about that too. I mean, I think there's definitely people, but by and large, I think there are folks who already had a habit of coming, who it's building a yearning and it's building a, a deeper longing within them to return, to be able to come back because they they miss it. You know, the first couple of weeks um, or the first week or so that we were live streaming, we were just doing it in the rectory. And even the first Sunday that we were live streaming, I think we did that in the rectory. And then we took a couple of weeks to try and figure out before Palm Sunday, okay, how are we going to do it in the church? So we're able to pull all that equipment together. And then that was one of the immediate comments that we saw in the in, during the live stream with people like, oh, it's so great to see the church again because the doors have been locked. Nobody can hmm. uh, come in because, yeah. you know, again, in Illinois, there's that uh, we're trying to, you know, comply with the... Um, the stay-at-home order of the governor and encourage people to do that. So I think that's, for some of those folks who have been here regularly, um, it's building up that longing within them. And our hope is then to also translate that into a deeper sense of community throughout the whole parish. So one of the other things that we did, uh, I think there was an article from, I think it was in our Sunday Visitor, somebody had written that their parish was putting together a team to call every family in the parish that was registered. So I read that article and I passed it along to our leadership team. And so we started that project as well, where we got, I think, probably about 80 or so volunteers to split up our list of registered parishioners and to just start making phone calls, just to touch base, just to see, you know, how are you doing? Are there things that you need? Um, is there anything that the parish community can do for you in this time? So I think we've been through that first round of that, and my hope is that um, in the next uh, couple of weeks that they'll, if they haven't already, that they'll start making a, a second round of phone calls to those same people so that, you know, you've got one person who's calling maybe 15 people, maybe 20 people on the high end, that they can sort of build a sense of community like, okay, maybe I wasn't really connected to the parish before, but somebody called, or at least they left a voicemail if I didn't answer it. Um, oh, and here's somebody again who's from my church community who's reaching out to me to see how we're doing in this time. We've also put up uh, signs, uh, just like little yard signs in front of the local hospital and I think out near some uh, nurse, maybe some nursing homes or maybe some of the police and fire stations and I think outside of the local grocery store too. Just seems things like, you know, thank you, um, for, you know, coming to work, basically. Thank you for still uh, doing all these things that you're doing and know that there are people who are grateful and who are praying for you. Um, I think we also had a, a project where we got a bunch of parishioners to basically write letters um, 
we called them, I think, hero letters. So who were that were going to go to just to the hospital? I don't think we had any names or anything like that, but just to, you know, hey, distribute these to the people in the hospital, distribute these to the fire, to the police or to whoever, just to let them know that there are people who are grateful for the hard work that they're doing in this time, for putting themselves at risk for everybody else. Um, you know, so hopefully I think that can can build some goodwill in the community as well. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I, 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 good man. That it's just like it since everything is such in flux. It's nice to do things like that to remember that the church. I mean, there's so many elements to the church, right? So just just because we can't go doesn't mean we can't still feel connected in in other ways. Whereas like someone like me, uh, admittedly, it's kind of tough for me to watch the mass online. Uh, I'm not against it by any means, but just for me, it's not, it's uh, uh, more than being the not preferred way. It's just kind of tougher for me to do it. Sure. So it's nice that there's, you know, different avenues where you could still, where you could still, I I don't know. You you just know that it's there. Like here in Phoenix, we, they're still offering confessions and they're still doing drive through confessions. So it's like, mm-hmm. I went to that and sure it was a little strange, but while it was happening and afterwards it was nice to have confessions. So it's, it's, and even, and unfortunately I know there's places that they shut down confession as well, but um, even then just the, the idea that the church, they're, this is like in a, Dallas. Yeah. They what they did do is they shut down scheduled confessions, mm. um, and the reason for that was because the problems with the lines. But they, my understanding is that they're still doing them by appointment. I know my parish definitely is. Like there's a number posted, and you can call that number and get that. And then my parish has like I guess turned itself into a food pantry situation, mm-hmm. and made it set up like a relief center and so because of that they're allowed to be open they still have to do the social distancing and make sure there aren't a bunch of people um but then because religious services are like specifically not open to the public um they do have to lock everybody out to say mass and live stream it and then then they can go back they it's in kind of a they have figured out a way to very closely follow all of the rules coming from both the city and the diocese mm-hmm. and keep everybody safe but in a way that you know if people do want to you know say some prayers and then wipe down wherever they were kneeling with bleach uh there's an option to do that but no mass and yeah no posted confession times yeah and it's been interesting too to see you know people always think about the catholic church as this great centralized institution but i think just seeing how different dioceses have chosen to is that the plural dioceses yeah yeah i believe so okay um just to see how they've chosen to um to go about this during this time you know uh so we have different rules certainly in chicago than than in in dallas where we're supposed to be locked and we're not supposed to basically offer any kind of um sacramental things except for in danger of death, uh, and that's really just to try and uh, get people to uh, work with the, the state government that's, that's asked everybody to stay at home as much as possible. So, 
Um, you know, I, different people will do it, different dioceses will do it different ways. And I think that's one of the dangers sometimes too, I suppose, is that people want there to be one uniform Mm-hmm. big C Catholic response that is going to be the exact same everywhere and integerism uh, right integer integerism inter anyway intergrizzlyism states rights but it's diocese yeah basically you know the bishop is the one who is the authority and so as much as you can say well you know this other bishop is doing this or that bishop is doing that um Certainly as diocesan priests, we make a promise of respect and obedience to our bishop and to his successors. So to me, there's no, you know, I don't, I can't really come up with anything. If people, I haven't had too many people say anything about that to me, but I've seen that somewhat in the discourse, as they say, that, um, you know, well, this diocese is doing this and every diocese should do this or that. You know, ultimately as a priest, I'm on to to try and support whatever my... uh, bishop is doing and and be respectful and obedient to that and that's also a pathway to uh, sanctity yeah yeah Yeah. it is a pathway to holiness i have a zach i I I don't know if you have some i I was going to ask an obedience question but if you have something in line with this i'll ask after well just quick a couple quick well you know i think what every diocese should do is listen to its bishop Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and then one nice thing I would recommend, like in terms of confession, you know, it it is tough because you have to be in person and it can cause, you know, sickness to spread. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, in some places, like Father Dan described, it's not available except in fear of death. But um, a trick you can use that I looked up, and apparently this works in all circumstances, um, is, if, is don't sin. Mm. And then um, you don't you know, you don't absolutely have to go to confession in the short term. Yeah. And I think too, the Holy Father has done a wonderful job of trying to remind people of some of these other parts of our spiritual history, uh, specifically talking about, you know, an act of perfect contrition and an act of spiritual communion, Mm -hmm. that this is something that people have been a lot more well-versed in, I think, previously in Catholic history. Mm-hmm. because there was much less frequent access to the sacraments or even for those who had frequent access to communion they would very infrequently receive communion um i mean that that's really only been around since i think you guys have talked about this with somebody else too but it's really only been around in the last century or so right so, kind of with Pius the 10th yeah frequent reception yeah mm-hmm. um cuz yeah it was you used to i think there were cases it was like different um monarchs or civil authorities would make decisions that kind of went against the church and they'd start months in advance being worried that they weren't going to be able to take their Easter communion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just a different mindset when people are used to receiving weekly and some people even daily. Um, yeah. yeah spiritual communions, they sort of get forgotten as, and it's actually a very powerful prayer and practice and i my understanding is our ancestors especially on thursdays would just make spiritual communions Mm. constantly yeah and the the um you know the concept of the act of perfect contrition which sometimes people think well it's it's simply impossible because i've never been perfectly contrite uh for anything Mm. but you know we say that in one of the forms of the act of contrition that is it's not simply about 
uh, being afraid of going to hell for the things that I've done, but because I've taken the time to reflect and I, I recognize that, you know, these things really have wounded God and I've, I've, I want to, um, to not do that anymore. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. want to, to, uh, to make a firm resolve to avoid sin because I know that I should love God above all things. And that's in times like this, when you can't access the sacraments, you make your act of perfect contrition, mm-hmm. um, meaning that you're doing it for love. You're saying you're sorry for love of God rather than simply for fear of punishment. And then you just have a firm resolve to say, okay, the next time that I can go to confession, I will do so. And God works through that, right? He works through, uh, we need the sacraments. God doesn't have to work through the sacraments. He chooses to give those to us because they can be helpful in, in helping us, you know, regulate, so to speak, the spiritual life. But, um, you know, for example, like I had somebody who emailed me and said, um, you know, normally I do the Divine Mercy Novena, um, and but this year, it's you know, every year it's supposed to end with, with going to confession. But this year, I don't think I can go to confession, so what should I do? And I just sent them a link to an article, I think it was in CNA, that was about the Holy Father's words about a perfect act of contrition and said, you know, say that. Um, and then make a resolve to go to confession the next time that you can, and, and that's enough. And thankfully, this person uh, received that answer well and accepted it uh, and did not, you know, berate me for not offering confession or mm. something like that, mm. which thankfully Classic. I haven't received much of. Classic but. mistake. There's uh, there's interesting ways. There's, there's some um, meditations that you can do that can help you develop the concept of perfect contrition because when we say act of perfect contrition mm-hmm. like you're not talking about like a formula that you like read out like the act of hope or something. right i mean it can be that but again with all of our formulas it's dependent on an interior reality you know even the like sacrament of confession itself is if i'm not sorry for my sins and i go to confession and i say the words does anything actually happen well no but because I, the the thing that i need is actual contrition of some kind Right. Though I would say the, it's hard to imagine anybody stepping into a confessional. Sure. Like that seems to be strong evidence of contrition. So if anybody's like wondering if they were sorry, like I think just even wondering yeah. is probably a sign that you are sorry. Um, yeah, there's like there's an exercise. Maybe we can post it in the show notes that I it basically uh, it's a St. Catherine of Siena. Um, it's this neat story about, uh, you know, you're in a room and there's file cabinets everywhere with like almost like a, a library like Dewey Decimal System mm-hmm. where it's like the small cabinets with little recipe sized cards and in them is just everything that you've ever done in mm-hmm. your life like every every good thing every bad thing just each thing and you know you kind of see the the you know file cabinet for prayer and it's you know there's some there's some cards in it but then you see the ones for you know different sins and then, then you see our Lord coming through and going through the, uh, um, going through the drawers, and for all the ones that are sins, like He blots them out. Mm-hmm. And there's something you know touching about that that I think can help see like the tenderness of God, which would would be a way to develop, I think, perfect contrition. And then the other one is this: if you just have a crucifix and you kind of look at it and yeah. okay, who's that? And what's he doing? And, and well, who's he doing it for? Well, then why is he doing it? You know, I mean, you can you can really get there if people think that they couldn't they couldn't really kind of orient their mind away from like, oh, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Um, 
like you can still not want to go to hell. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. think perfect contrition means you can't have any of the other types of contrition. Sure. It doesn't mean like exclusively perfect. It just means that you have to have this particular kind of contrition, which you can develop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like your example because I think uh, if there's anything that speaks to a modern American Catholic in terms of how they approach their religion, it's a file cabinet. And I think that that's a very good, uh, good image. Yeah, all the cards that don't spark joy, our Lord just <laughs> handles them. He just throws them away. He says goodbye. Thank yeah. you for your service. Yeah, that's right. He, we wish you well in your right. future endeavors, and it's, there you go. The The actual text annotation is actually is a lot more right. um, touching. No, yeah, I, I remember that. I remember hearing that one um, when I taught for Totus Duis many summers ago. It was something like oh, that. Nice. Your sinful file cabinets mm-hmm. will be shredded. <laughs> Mm. Cross-shredded. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Encrypted. <laughs> Keep going. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, are you, like, making fun of me? No. Uh, I'm, I want you to preach podcast? it. I want you to preach oh, it. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's giving yeah. you... Well, he's... if there's anything I know a lot about, and it's what to do after you sin. Mm. Um, so, Father Dan was being your Catholic hype man there. Yeah. That's what I do. I we... have amazing grace, and I want people to go. I just want them to, to feel it. Mm-hmm. I want him to keep going. Nice. That's why I fathered. So, Amazing Grace. You think that song's heretical? What's your thoughts? Here? <laughs> uh, look at the time. Oh boy! No. Wow! <laughs> wow! I think it's um, it's very moving for a lot of people, and I think if that's helpful, then that's good. It's not. A, okay, it's so not as heretical. Question two. Wait, Zach. It's not as heretical as Mary. Did you know? It's true. I know that song is so awful. Like the song, okay, the song "Mary, Did You Know," is like literally the plot of Rosemary's Baby. So like, <laughs> it, 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 for it to have been a situation where she didn't know, like that's the whole suspense aspect of that movie. Um, so yes, it would be a the the redemption would have been the incarnation of redemption would have been a very sinister thing had Mary just had no idea. Well, well it's it's just weird because again there's the whole prophecy of Simeon and she's told in the temple about who this guy is, about who this child is and she's told by the angel about who this child is and so yeah, yeah I don't the, get it. The song should have been one line long. It's just like Mary did you know and then someone just says yes and that's the end of the song. Mm. Yeah. Very quick and easy. Well, preach that. So we, before we started recording, I had a question that you kind of answered, and I can't remember if you even had a definite answer, so hopefully we don't confuse the listeners. Okay. But so currently, we're in a situation across the United States, public masses are suspended. Mm-hmm. And I think you said there's one diocese that's announced plans to open back up. Yeah, I just, as I was scrolling Twitter before we started, I think I read in, that uh, Las Cruces in New Mexico is going to resume masses, but I don't know when that's going to start. Yeah. Do you think that there would ever be a situation where they they start offering public mass, but they continue to have basically like an across the board dispensation from um, the obligation? Mm. Like in a, I guess in a diocese, because we can't say like multiple, but in one diocese for them to say, we're going to have public masses again, you're allowed to come. However, there is for now no obligation. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so, because they did that before this, right? There were dioceses where they said we weren't, quite suspending public masses yet but just so everybody knows you don't have an obligation to come and we really do encourage you to 
to stay home. So, but I think that was in place before these sorts of stay-at-home, um, closed well, before places. Before three-week asymptomatic carry was before we knew about that. Okay. it was kind of a thing where, like, okay, you know, if you're not feeling well or you've been around people that aren't feeling well, but mm-hmm. then once you realize there's no like by that point it's too late sure like if you're reading this it's too late um so and then i think a lot of people were just very concerned and i think it was helpful to just say okay this is just we're done Mm -hmm. um it it helped probably with a lot of scruples and then also just avoid a situation where um we talked about some of the funny ideas people get that like if you really believe in the mass then you can't like a virus doesn't conform to the laws of nature for now like it it doesn't make sense um but then the other question is so like we said we kind of agree that each diocese needs to listen to its bishop on this so if you know i reside in dallas um but i'm currently i have absconded to rural arkansas so if if my diocese um you know doesn't have an obligation to attempt, you know, they keep it closed because mm-hmm. it's a more urban area. But Diocese of Little Rock, where I'm currently, like hanging out, if they reinstate the obligation, like what, how, how help a Catholic navigate? Like, what are the thoughts a Catholic could have when deciding, um, you know, how to, uh, out of love, uh, conform to the laws of the Church? Yeah, I think you really have to go by the place where you are currently. So the example that sort of comes to mind here is, you know different provinces across the United States have different rules about the celebration of the Ascension. So some will celebrate it on Thursday, other places will transfer it to the following Sunday. Mm -hmm. So in that case, and and I mean, there there have been uh, many places around the country (laughs) do that. Um, So there are places that uh, say, and I think this has come up before, right, where somebody happens to be traveling and maybe they leave on uh, like a Wednesday from their diocese where perhaps they celebrate the Ascension on Thursday, for example, and then uh, they travel somewhere else, and so they come back, and by the time they come back for this, or maybe I've got it backwards, but basically you can imagine a situation where you're traveling, and so you sort of miss skip, out. in a sense, yeah. uh, the Ascension. You miss out on it because of the different rules of different dioceses because you'll go by what's being celebrated based on the diocese that you're in. So I would imagine that the rules there would hold really much the same, that um, when you are traveling, um, and all of these things, I suppose, because there's kind of a, a principle in canon law, which is that to interpret it which is ever, whichever way is most uh, sort of advantageous to the person, to interpret it leniently. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, in that case, you would say, okay, well, if I'm, if Dallas, for example, here has the obligation to attend mass and Little Rock uh, does not, then the most lenient way to interpret that would be to say, okay, well, the place where I am now says that I do not have an obligation. And so I'm going to do that. I, I wonder if you could do something similarly if the, if the situation was reversed, right? So for example, if you were from uh, or in Dallas, it was there was still no obligation, but then in Little Rock, there was an obligation. Could you say, well, you know, really, I'm uh, from the Diocese of Dallas, and so that's the rule that I'm going to follow. I suppose you could do that, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot of leeway there for people to 
to figure out what is going to make sense for them. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, it sounds like you're probably not um, running afoul of the laws of Holy Mother Church if your diocese doesn't have an obligation and you happen to currently be in one that does as this is all kind of getting resolved. Like, basically, it will tend to resolve kind of in your favor. Um, I think so. I mean, I, I can't remember which of the... It might have been Augustine or maybe it was somebody else who was traveling and was like, you know, where I'm from, we do this kind of thing for church. Maybe it was a day of fasting or penance or something like that. He said, but when I went to this other place, then they had the rules that were like this. And he wrote back and asked somebody, well, you know, which one of these should I follow? And that's kind of where that phrase from when in Rome do as the Romans do mm. comes from. Oh. So uh, that would kind of be my, my rule of thumb would be to say, go by the rules of the place wherever you are currently. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, you know, that's where you are. That's where you are. Wherever you are, that's where you'll be. Yeah. Amen. Uh, the wise man once said, okay. Along those lines, I had this obedience question I wanted to jam in earlier, but since we're still kind of talking about obedience, uh, we are, we here at the Roman Circus podcast are out and out proud Pope Francis supporters. We're out and proud. Out and proud. We, uh, we love the Pope, big Pope guys. We're worried. It gets like easier week by week. He's doing such a good job. I know. He's like, yeah, I remember there was once upon a time it was like we, you had to be a little bit esoteric because every so it's just like some things he would say. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, oh my, like unironically, just every he's just doing a great job. Great job. Love that guy. Question uh, though, the Pope came out this week and I don't, I don't want to. He basically talked about coronavirus is kind of partly a result or could be a result of humans ignoring global warming. There was kind of mm-hmm. the the verbiage. I, I don't know. I want to get it right. But, you know, it's my, my point is it was framed in such a way that people who are not as pro-papist, pro-Pope Francis as Zach and I, or maybe Zach and I in a former life would have kind of scoffed or kind of, you know, kind of been like, look at this guy and done one of those side thumb point things that people do. And they're saying, look, get a load of this guy. Mm-hmm. We want to be where, you know, we, there's a, we, the old saying is as long as you vote, you can say whatever you want, right? As long as you vote, you have a voice. But as Catholics, we can't really do that, obviously, because we can't vote for our priests or our bishops or our pope. And we know that we are supposed to follow what Pope Francis says. But how would you, what would you say to Catholics who get kind of weary when Pope Francis says things that they may not agree with that don't have to do with issues of faith and morals? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But, um... I think, I mean, you know, okay, so I suppose in some ways this really is more of a scientific question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how did this coronavirus begin to spread? Mm-hmm. Okay, we have some theories, but we don't really know. Um, 
But I think overall, particularly when you go back and you read Laudato Si, and you read a lot of what this Pope has talked about, and certainly a lot of what Pope Benedict talked about as well, I mean, this stuff isn't new with, with Pope Francis, mm-hmm. that the way that humans interact with the earth and with creation and with the environment has not been um, this kind of Christian stewardship that we should take care of creation. Sure. But in many cases, it's been a lot more exploitative. Mm -hmm. And so is there a possibility that some of this exploitative mentality of nature led to uh, this greater outbreak of this coronavirus? Well, I don't know that, I mean, because how would it be possible normally otherwise for um, a virus to travel from China and spread so rapidly across the globe? It's because we... From where did you say? From uh, China, I believe. Okay. Um, how How is it possible that this spread so rapidly around the globe? Well, because we have constantly this airline travel and we promote this as like okay go visit different parts of the world and go uh, do these things and we never think about the consequences that that has on the environment we never think about the consequences that the whole economic system has on the environment so I think that's something that is a serious challenge for Catholics and for all Christians to think about how is it that we are really living up to a call to be good stewards of creation. There's a lot of ways in which we are failing in that, and we tend to ignore them because we don't like to think of ourselves as, you know, damaging whatever it is that God has given us. We prefer to think of ourselves as, I don't know if it's this kind of enlightenment view of like, well, we're becoming masters of nature, you know? Mm. So it's like pandemics are unthinkable because we have so much technology and we have so much knowledge and power over our environment on a regular basis that it's unthinkable. We have smart grids. Exactly. 5G. You know, we have, uh, we have 5G. I do not consent to 5G. I don't know what it is and I'm fine <laughs> I don't not either. knowing what it is. So. People were like, do you know the difference between 4G and 5G? And I said... 1G. 1G. It's one more G. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. of course. Yep, yep. I thought Laudato C at the time when it first came out, I kind of blew it off. But um, in the years since, I think it's aged really well as far as encyclicals go. Um, and uh, it also, like, the thesis, the more I've thought about it, is basically that our mankind's, like, egregious sins are now killing the planet and everybody on it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a very a trad message. Like to me, that's very uh, old school, like fire and brims. Like I'm, I'm pumped. Like I'm like this needs to be said. Like mm-hmm. somebody needs to let people know that they've got to stop sinning. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and somebody else was saying that too. Like now that he's got his daily homilies sort of live streamed constantly, and more and more people can see that, and um, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily getting summaries of it from news places, but you can really sort of get that uh, straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. I mean, you think about what his message is, and it's constantly one of repentance, and it's one of the healing power of Jesus Christ. Um, and I, I really liked his, I mean, how do you, how, how did you guys feel about that Irby at Orby uh, thing that he did? I thought it was incredible. It was very moving. Yeah. And it's like the world kind of stopped for it to happen. Yeah. And, yeah, I just... I, I, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. 
and I kind of I mean it took the the critics like a few hours to formulate how they were going to detract from it like it wasn't <laughs> until way later that day that they started like posting pictures of the pack of like all that stuff yeah. to figure out how do we how do we run this mm-hmm. so if he could keep them silent for a few hours <laughs> then to me that uh, you know I yeah I I mean who doesn't love good strong Catholic imagery like that's what yeah that's the point of I guess Zach you bring up you say it as a joke but also serious like people are so quick to get all their their undies in a bunch about Pacamama that when Pope Francis does this like very strong thing it it like it's almost like it doesn't compute right which but these are those are the right, things like, like a tacky cardboard statue that like was should have been maybe one news cycle um, and we're still and like people are like this is the because everyone was like this is the defining moment of the papacy and I really think it I mean we don't know because there who no, knows but what it, comes but it, I really it think certainly up can now, be I I think up till now it is it's a very yeah. it was very powerful well, and like you said it 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 the the virus really tracks with the sort of Laudato Si mindset I think you did a really good job laying that out too Father Dan mm. um, so yeah to then say actually the defining image is. Um, these stupid cardboard well, yeah, but paintings or whatever the, is yeah it he has it it we we celebrate all the popes certainly the ones we've been alive for i uh but i i mean this is like it's like a powerful image that i can't off the top of my head recall one from benedict and john paul ii now and that's not saying that they aren't as good or didn't do nearly as good things but sometimes I mean, there's certain times when I, I'll go into full Cheeseville here, but like when when everybody's feeling kind of down, there's certain things that you need to do to rally the troops and inspire everyone. And like he picked the perfect time and nailed it. Yeah. And it. I, I thought so too. I mean, there were times that as, as I was watching and listening to that, that I was crying. I mean, it was so beautiful and so moving. And the thing that, that he brought up, which I ended up using for my homily for the Easter vigil, mm-hmm. was I kind of look at it as this question of, um, you know, people will say things like, oh, I I'm, I'm, can't wait till we can finally get back to normal and we can get back to the way things were. And I think his question is, is that really a world that we want to go back to? Is that really a kind of way of life that we want to go back to? Not to say that constant social isolation and quarantining and lockdowns and that kind of stuff is a better thing. But if we are going to have an opportunity to come out of this differently, Mm -hmm. isn't that exactly what God always does? Because he doesn't allow his people to simply go back to the way that things were. He always is making something new for them to go into. And so that's a question that we have to ask ourselves as Catholics. And that kind of goes back to, you know, parish life and reaching out to others and what's all this going to look like. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can say, well, we want it to go back to like it was pre-corona, yeah. so to speak. We want to figure out how, to, how we can make something new. Mm-hmm. And we want to figure out how we can make our economy something new. And we want to figure out how we can make our relationship with nature something new. Because God wants things to be renewed. And so if this is going to be an opportunity for that, then God forbid things should go back to the way that they were, but rather to find a boldness, to find uh, the grace and the strength that we need to find what that new thing is 
and dive into that wholeheartedly without reservation, without trying to figure out what our old sort of rivalries or delineations were on any kind of ecclesiological spectrum or political spectrum, but to say, okay, there's a moment here for something new. Let's mm-hmm. seize it. Well, that's, I think you bring, you bring up a great point. I wanted just to confirm, uh, you know, we are a, we are a trad podcast. So I agree, Father Dan, that we need to always be coming up with something new as long as it is not post-1962. <laughs> the new, as new as possible. Up I'm sorry, if you were really trad, you would say nothing post-1955. 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know. I, I, I thought about that and I... Exposed. Like, yeah. I, I tried to go there, <laughs> but mentally I went to 62. Sure. Either way, uh, yeah, no, it was. Uh, it it is nice to currently live in a world where our two biggest leaders, Pope Francis and President Trump, are just hitting home runs constantly every day, hundred <laughs> percent grand slam rate in this time of coronavirus. And I, I, you know, you don't you, you don't have to. If I know you agree. You don't have to say you agree, but you mm. know. Yeah, I'm not going to necessarily agree on the political side of that. But, you know, again, I'll be honest that I, I try not to um, to look through that stuff as much. So, I know. Those are just, I just got to give something for the Internet. I got to try and rile them up. You got to let them know that this is a MAGA-only podcast. Yeah, yeah. And by me being on here, I'm now supportive of that 100,000%. <laughs> That's how it works. Yes. Um, yeah. Zach, do you have any other questions, or can I ask Father Dan the real questions that need to be asked? I think it's time for you to ask the real questions that need to be asked. Father Dan, I I wish you a very happy, because it's always happy, yet very solemn mm-hmm. Rusev Day. Yes. It is a Rusev Day today and every day. It is, but it also, along those lines, is a very... Yeah. Yeah. Very solemn, mm-hmm. happy Rusev Day. Yeah. Uh, Zach, they, I know it matters a lot to you. The WWE listed a bunch of people they released, a bunch of wrestlers and talent they released. And WWE, now, for those listening at home um, with college degrees, what does that stand for? Just kidding. <laughs> wow. About the, I mean, what does it tell people what it stands for? I but mean, also I, I have a college lots of degree. college people like wrestling. Father Dan is a rocket scientist and Sorry. a master of divinity. He's a ma- and a master of divinity. It stands for World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they released fan favorite Rusev, who you know. Wait, did I miss that? Yeah, no, I they, thought they released it in English. No, they. Uh, they released. Uh, they released Rusev. Okay, you keep talking, and I'm gonna look this up online because I have just had a very different day. If oh yeah, that's correct. Yeah, no, he's he is. Uh, he got released. He tweeted, "Thank you all, Rusev out." Um, he was one of the many many people that got the got the old heave ho. And, uh, you know, if there's one, you know, it's a sad day. If there's one person that I would like, that I'm glad I get to talk to this about, it's you, Father Father Dan, the rocket scientist and master of divinity. Wow. 
Wow. Mm -hmm. Do you have any wow. words? The people want to know your instant reaction. What do you What do you have to say about that? Uh, crushed right now. Mm -hmm. I suppose in one way, uh, because as I'm seeing this, I had not read that in the previous article that uh, Rusev had been released. Somehow I missed that. Perhaps my eyes just didn't want to see it. Mm -hmm. So everybody will know that uh, Rusev is one of my favorite wrestlers. I think he's a, he's phenomenal in the ring, and I think his... Um, oh, yeah, here it is, www.com. Somehow I missed this, Rusev. Mm -hmm. So it, look, if you it, real ones know, that's all I got to say. Real because ones if know. you if you don't get the charm of Rusev Day, which was just this guy and his opera singing tag team partner saying that it was Rusev Day every day. Mm -hmm. And like everybody just went nuts for this. Whole arenas would chant Rusev Day. If there was another match that was going on that they didn't like, they would just start chanting Rusev Day. Mm -hmm. And it was so incredible and so beautiful, but also a thing that doesn't really make any sense. And it's like, I can't explain it to you. If you get it, you get it. Mm -hmm. So Real ones know. I went to, uh, I went to a taping of Monday Night Raw last year, and Rusev made a... Uh, it was... He made like a surprise entrance on then champion Seth Rollins, and we all loved it. We mm -hmm. all loved it. Yeah. And it's yeah. memories like that that I will carry forth uh, from here on out. The Did w I forget who the other guy was that he was in a match with one time or doing a promo on, and he was like, oh, whatever adjective you use in front of your name, it's like, why even bother using it? Like, everybody already knows. And he was like, it's like if I were to call myself Handsome Rusev, I don't have to, because <laughs> everybody knows. That's oh, so that's good. good. That's good. They uh, also, WWE, cold-blooded, they released Maria Kanellis, who is currently pregnant. Ooh. Or just had a baby. Either yeah. one. You know, that's not a seamless garment pro-life move by the WWE. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, Times are tough all over, mm -hmm. so I get why it's, uh, but I would have thought, well, I suppose they pr maybe they do have more than 500 employees, and that's why they couldn't get any uh, paycheck protection program mm -hmm. dollars. But, um, but you would think BFF of President Donald John Trump, Vince McMahon, would have been able to secure something like that, but, you know. You would think so. I mean, they they found a way to get the uh, the grant from the state of Florida to be considered an essential business and to stay open. So mm -hmm. I wonder how they did that. <laughs> yeah, no idea. No, no idea. idea. Certainly didn't involve wads of cash, be in unmarked bags being delivered. And that's why they couldn't afford to keep all those other talent that's because true. they had to pay so much for that. Yeah, it's an interesting time in the wrestling world. I mean, I think they're sort of the only. Um, uh, we can't really say sport, but here we say sports entertainment thing mm -hmm. in town because all the other real sports have been uh, canceled and suspended and even professional wrestling they've been doing in front of no audiences. And that includes the biggest event of the year, WrestleMania, which right. was very weird, odd to see. And it was pre-taped, right? Mm -hmm. So right. it's an odd time for wrestling and um, a difficult time without having the arenas and people are lower on money. So maybe, you know, use your Trump bucks to buy some merchandise from shop.wwe.com. Mm -hmm. Help those guys out. <laughs> Help those. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Which reminds me, I ordered a, a Rusev Day shirt, like a new, the new one that they had. Mm-hmm. And then somehow, like, they never processed my order, but I think I still have the money that was charged to my account. So I really should figure that out one day. That was at the end of December. So it's been a while. It's been a bit. That should have... Uh that should have gotten to you by now, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it. It has, and I, now I don't think it will. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just show up, and it. You you ask you ask uh, where the money is, and it's just a picture of the Monopoly man with his pockets turned inside out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Uh, Zach, do you have any comments on the WWE releases? You know, I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. I'm happy for it. I would say that I'm definitely happy for some of those guys who really didn't have much to do at WWE, Mm -hmm. which has tended to be a thing that they would just sign talent, particularly EC3, I think, was probably the biggest waste. He's gone now, too. Right. I mean, they could have done so much with him, and Mm -hmm. they just never did anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad for his sake that he could potentially go somewhere else. Not the greatest time to be job searching no matter what uh, industry you're in mm-hmm. but for some of those guys i'm confident that they'll find uh, good work and good homes elsewhere whether that's AEW or impact or you know maybe new japan for some of those guys i think they'll work it out i'm uh, i'm looking at wwe shop and i think uh the rusev day t-shirt is uh now on sale father dan so you yeah so I could buy it again for cheaper, and yeah, they still won't send it to me. Yeah, I'm it sure. actually, it, if you get it, it'll work out in your favor. Yeah, they're going to pay me to take the T-shirt. Yeah, so. they're like Happy Rusev Day. Here's a T-shirt and some extra money. Beautiful. Uh, well, you know, do you have any final words for the people? Do you have any thing you want to let them know about? Can I ask you guys a question? Please do. Yes. Have you thought about what sure. you're going to do with your Trump bucks? I am currently in, I have not received. You don't have to yet. say, I suppose, like you don't have, if you don't want to talk about it, your finances, I understand. That's fine. No, no, no. I, I have not received mine yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to buy something ridiculous with it. Like me too. Like spend it all on MAGA hats or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something that like would just kind of be outrageous, but then I could point to like, actually I'm stimulating the economy. So maybe not MAGA hats, but like something yeah, like I, a lot I, of I Wendy's, think, maybe. Yeah, I, well, like I kind of keep a strict budget, mm-hmm. and so, but so I'm treating this as totally outside of that. So mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like I don't have to be responsible with it because, like, I didn't budget. You know, my it's not in the budget, and so something uh, that makes for good content. I'm looking and stimulates the economy and helps workers. Since I am on WWE Shop, I am looking <laughs> at the. The, the belts. Yeah, you knew it. You picked, the titles. Excuse yeah, me. You can't yeah, say belts. You can't say belts. You you knew exactly where I was going. <laughs> I uh, they're on. Which sale. one? Which one would you get if you could get any one? Uh, I don't. The new world titles are so bland. Yeah. I I would probably do the old intercontinental t- championship. The white belt one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if they had like the the winged championship belt or one of the older ones i would go for that mm-hmm. um maybe I, I they have the black wwe championship belt up here title mm-hmm. sorry we already established that that that's not not too bad but um oh no the new intercontinental one is terrible i don't even i don't like that you don't like it at all i don't it's 
I what do you think about the NXT, like the North American no, that's, or the UK one? I think yeah, are, no, that, are, those are particularly good. good. The UK one has a lot. It's a really busy one. It has a lot going mm-hmm. on, but I like it. Yeah, yeah, I could be talked into one of those. Uh, sure. But it needs to it needs to happen soon. Oh, actually, they do have the. They have the old Bret Hart signature series winged one. Maybe I would do that. I'll give a little plug and I'll just let people know what uh, priests in the Archdiocese of Chicago, um, mm-hmm. our presbyteral council, which I'm a member of, is encouraging priests to, uh, if they can, to consider donating that, uh, what is it officially called, the economic impact mm. payments, uh, to donate that to their parishes or perhaps to another parish that they know is struggling or to another Catholic institution. Uh, so I know that's certainly what I'm going to do with mine. I'm going to donate that to my parish when that comes in um you know different parishes are going to be impacted differently but um parishes all around the world certainly but in in our country uh and i can speak for mine as well um it's a really significant hit to our normal collections and even though we Mm -hmm. have been trying to we for for you know the the before time we had a pretty good percentage of online giving and steady electronic giving but uh, i think close to 60% or a little bit over that was just given uh, in the basket every Sunday. And so that's that's gone. Uh, some people are mailing things in, but it's not anywhere near what we would have normally had. And many parishes would have expected to see an increase because of uh, Easter. Uh, and, and certainly that has not happened because we did not have public masses at Easter. So I'm not trying to guilt everybody into into doing that, but do consider if you get that money, you know, do the old-fashioned 10%, right? Give some of that uh, to your parish or to a church or to another Catholic institution because uh, everybody's going to be um, hard up, I should say. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, I think we were able to get or we were approved for one of those um, paycheck protection loans, so we'll be able to continue to, to pay our staff and our utilities um, but beyond that, you know, certainly we're going to be uh, having a difficult time uh, in the coming months and year. Yeah, yeah, totally. I totally hear what you're just saying, but they have the old WCW heavyweight <laughs> championship title here on sale, too. Do they have the hardcore one? Uh, I'm, they, they, seem, they seem to have a lot more than I was giving them credit for initially. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, obvi- obviously obviously 10 percent straight to the church yeah you know, the other like zach night, you know zach maybe you could consider donating some of those maga hats to your local parish <laughs> and that would be <laughs> that would work <laughs> that would work they're you know they're quality material no yeah made in the usa i imagine so yeah all right well that's a perfect note to end on father dan <laughs> if people want to find any of your musings or homilies or anything is there stuff out there that they can find no okay zach god willing no (laughs) zach anything um you know just uh thanks for coming on father dan it's always it's always a pleasure i would like to try Um, and and get ahead of father anthony in the coming months so just keep that in mind okay no worries like if that's gonna take a few trump bucks or a few maga hats to to grease those wheels you let me know (laughs) It's funny because, like, we do probably, like, Matt and I are so dry in how we, our delivery, and then you as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we probably got to play this episode on 1.5. <laughs> <laughs>
But thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure. I look forward to whenever you guys do the next episode of the Spicy Nugs. Me too. Pod, spicy Nugget Pod. Spicy, spicy Nugs Pod. Yeah. Spicy Nugs Pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's fun. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you all next week. Yeah.